Praise God. Again, I'm honored to be here this evening with you all. And I can't say I'm really, I don't know, not prepared, but um, the Lord always sort of deals with me where I am. And whenever I have to share, he's already put something on my heart that I've been constantly dealing with. And what he's put on my heart uh, today and what I've been working with for the last week or so for a number of different reasons is what do you believe? And based on what you believe, I can tell uh, who you are just by spending a little bit of time with you and finding out what you believe. That tells me exactly who you are, literally no matter what you say. We live in America. And it's very easy to go into a crowd of people and say, how many people in here are Christians? Mm -hmm. And the majority of the group of people will raise their hands and say they're a Christian. But if you spend a little time with a lot of them, you'll find a hard time for you to believe that they believe that they're really Christians. So based on what you believe, uh, we have to look at why you believe it. And one of the reasons you can find out when somebody believes something is who influences their life. Whoever influences your life very often tells you why you believe something. Why you believe you can because somebody said you can do anything or why you believe you can't because somebody said you'll never amount to anything. And based on what you choose to believe, will the outcome, your life, will go in that direction. What does it take to believe in God's word? It takes a couple of things. One, you simply have to believe. It's no more difficult than that. God did not set up a list of things that you have to do first. He simply said, believe. And if you believe, then all things open up to you. In Mark 5 and 36... The scripture says, don't be afraid, only believe. And this was Jesus, he was talking. And he told them, again in Luke 8 and 50, he says, believe only. He didn't give them a list of things to do. He didn't say, clean your house and do this and straighten up and put all those other things away first. He just said, believe only. In John 3.16, which most people can quote, It says, whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth will have everlasting life. Now, very often in religious circles, we have added on so many other things to believing or what it takes for you to be a Christian. See, when you go um, to different places or when you spend time with people who are Christians, very often they'll begin to tell you, uh, well, I'm a Christian because I, now I go to church every Sunday, and my church believes this, and my church, we don't do this, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't do this, we don't do that. And, and their belief is based on that. Well, the Word of God never put those kinds of criteria into believing. And we see it over and over and over in the Scriptures. When people who didn't even really know Jesus, all they knew was that he had some power. And if I go to him, I'm willing to go to him because I'm in a tough spot. 
and I'm going to petition him. And Jesus would say to them, greater faith I have not seen. And literally what he was saying was even among the believers. I don't see this kind of faith. Because I told you that it's done and you said it's done. And you believe. And Jesus could operate because the person was willing to create an atmosphere to allow Jesus to operate. And based on what you believe is how God operates in your life. And if you'll be very, very honest with yourself. See, because lots of us limit our belief. Because we're willing, we'll say right away, oh, I I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I, I believe all those things. Well, to put that in sort of context, everything in hell also believes that Jesus is real. Everything in hell believes that God is real and that Jesus is real. So you're not any great company when you, say, when you can profess that I believe. But whether or not you live it. I found a quote uh, this weekend. I'm paraphrasing it. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi said something to the effect that if you believe, you'll live it or else you're being untruthful. Or, uh, you know, something to that effect. Well, because how can we say we believe and we don't live it? And fortunately, when you say you believe, you get an opportunity to prove that you believe. Uh, I always think of uh, a a song, which (laughs) I I don't know why it comes to mind now. But I saw a movie once, and it hit me very, very powerfully. And it was a man and a woman, and the guy had went out with his friends, and he had made a slip. And he didn't come home that night. He went off with some other woman. And when he was professing his love to his wife, after being out all night, her answer to him was, Love should have brought you home last night. And to me, that struck very, very powerfully because it's simply true. If you love somebody that much, then it should have brought him home. It should have put the brakes on whatever else was going on. Well, the same thing happens with with God in our lives. We profess it. We go to church on Sundays. We lift our hands when everybody's praising. Then on Monday morning, are we still praising? Are we still lifting him up? Is our light still shining? Have we put it up on the lamppost for everybody to see? Or have we taken it down? And, and very often, you know, we won't hide it, but we'll just keep it casually swinging at our side. You know, we don't let it go, but we just keep it around. Well, that says something to the level of your belief. In Mark 4 and 31, it talks about the mustard seed. And Jesus uses the mustard seed as an example of faith. If you've ever seen a mustard seed, it's the smallest seed of all of the herb plants. It's literally, I mean, like a grain of sand. It's so tiny if you see a mustard seed. But you take that mustard seed and you plant it and you water it and you tend to it and you care for it. That mustard seed will become a tree. And the scripture goes on to say that Uh, That mustard seed will will grow. It will become the largest of all of the herbs. And then even its branches will house other creatures. Well, that's speaking to our faith. That's speaking to what happens when we believe. Because what is belief? Belief is faith. That's exactly what belief is. 
It's where's your faith? And your faith is what you believe. When you believe in the word of God and you plant it and you water it, it becomes so large because your faith becomes so large, even other creatures can come and find refuge in your presence. But that's, in order to do that, you have to believe. In order to do that, you have to have the opportunity to go through the, the rough days because, see, when you plant a seed, it's, it's not always, I mean, it takes some work to water it. What if you have to go and get the water from way over there? You have to walk a mile to get the water. But once it's planted and it takes root, very often, again, like a tree. Who goes out and waters these trees? You don't see people out watering the trees. No, once they become established, they stand on their own. And once you become established in the word of God, you'll stand on your own. And whatever can come and whatever happens, whatever goes on, you'll stand. And because of your belief, others will be able to stand near you and reap the benefit of of your being rooted and grounded in the word of God. They'll find out a way that there's a way for them to get rooted and grounded. And as we go on, I, I just I had made a few notes about things to remind people of. Again, when Jesus in Mark 11 and 24 was talking about the fig tree, this is just after he went to the fig tree because it looked like it had fruit. And I always envision it looked like a person, if you've seen them on the street, you know you can pick them out and you can say, oh, they're on their way to church. You can be in your car and you look and you see them, you're, oh, they're on their way to church. They got their Bible, they got their hat on, they, get, they dressed up, they suited up. But what if you stopped and talked to them? And you found out there was no fruit in them. You found out they were only going to church because they serving dinner after the service today. And so I go to this church because they, they serve dinner. Or I go to this church because there's this sister there. Her name is Chinway and she can sing. And I love to hear her sing. So I go. That's where I go. But there's nothing else in them. Well, when Jesus ran across a tree that was perpetrating being a tree, it, had, it was rooted and grounded, it grew, it had the leaves, but it was time for it to be bearing fruit, and there was no fruit. He cursed it. And when they came back that way and saw that tree again, they saw that the tree had withered. And Jesus said to them in verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, whatever thing you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, what happens is he says, have faith that when the word of God comes out of your mouth, that you can stand on that and be willing to stand on that. And as we go on, I was looking here, it said, um, looking in the word of God, it talked about who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. You have to really believe it. And if you believe it, it dictates the way you walk. It dictates the way you talk. Because once you believe, then you start following Jesus. It's very often why when people ask me what I believe in, I tell them I'm a follower of the teachings of Jesus Christ. I don't let them off with I'm a Christian because then they'll say, oh, okay, yeah, I know some Christians. I know some Christians. Okay, yeah. They put me right in that bag with the other Christian friends who they left the club with last night. So... Uh, I, very, I started changing that. When they want to know, I said, I'm a believer in the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
Because then you have an opportunity to like, well, what do you mean? Are, are you a Christian? Are you this? Say, well, Jesus teaches the teachings. That's what I believe in, not the religion. And, and so, and very often it opens up a conversation that we can share. And I ask them, well, what do you believe? You know, you, you say you're a Christian. What do you believe? And we can start talking about what we believe. And very often you find people, I have a cousin who I love very dearly. And I was newly saved, and I was sharing with him the love of Jesus and that he needed to give his life to the Lord. And he told me, I don't need to get saved. My mama told me I'm saved. He said, my mama said I'm a nice person, and I'm saying don't let nobody come and tell me I need to be saved. And he believed it. And he, he couldn't hear anything else because his mama said he was saved. And thank God for his mercy and grace. A few years later, he came back to me and he said, you know, I found out what being saved really means. And I've given my life to the Lord. And he's serving the Lord today, you know, uh, because he believed. And he found out it was more than just somebody telling you what to believe. But very often, we have to decide what we're going to believe. We have to, we talked tonight about, we're here, this is burning fire and hearts of flame. But that, it's not going to come from on high. Now, Pastor Benjamin, Pastor Joseph, Pastor Dyrell, they can preach some messages that will stir you. But the responsibility for stirring that fire is yours. You can testify to yourself. As we were singing tonight, Sometimes it's not so much about going out and evangelizing other people. Sometimes you need to evangelize yourself. Because it puts back into perspective what you believe. When, you, when we hear testimonies that, that we just, wow, and it blows away. Sometimes you have to testify to yourself. Sometimes you have to remind yourself of the things that God has brought you through. Of the times that God has shown up in your life and you didn't expect it. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're stirring the flame. You're stirring the flame and you, you become set on fire because you want other people to experience the same things that you are experiencing. And we have to not base our life on what's going to change in 20 minutes because what changes in 20 minutes from now? Your feelings. Your feelings will change 20 minutes from now. You may leave here and this is, was a wonderful time of fellowship and this and that, and somebody may cut you off, and all of your feelings will have changed. You will have forgotten. Or you get a phone call and somebody says something that you don't like, and your feelings change. But you have to base your life on the word of God, which hasn't changed in 20 centuries. It's been steady. It's always been the same. And when you remind yourself to base your, what does the word of God say? When you go there, that's when you find out where your faith is. Because the whole world can be crumbling. Everybody in here can decide to turn their backs on God. And because of your testimony, because of the reality of God in your life, you'll stand. And you'll say, I don't know what's going on with them, but I got to hold on to you, God. The other thing is, which... In scripture, I, I found some, I don't know, solace in the fact that the disciples were not as deep uh, as, as we would like to believe sometimes. Um, 
when I look in it, it at the, um, I'm trying to find it where my notes were. Oh boy. Okay, Mark 4 and 31. No, not Mark 4 and 31. Mark 4 and 35. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he had just explained to them about the mustard seed. And he just explained to them about faith. They, now they're with him. Now see, the disciples, they, they were with Jesus day and night. They had seen him perform miracle after miracle. They knew what was going on. But after Jesus had spent all this time with them, it's, it's sort of like us being here in service and listening to Pastor Benjamin preach a powerful word. And then Pastor Benjamin says, let's go. And we all march out of here and, and get in our cars and, and get on the Bay Bridge. And an earthquake happens. Well, this is what happened with the disciples. Jesus said, let's go. He'd been teaching all day. And they got in the ship and they went out to sea. And a storm came up. And Jesus was asleep. Now, after all this teaching, Jesus wasn't with them. They were all up on deck. Walking around, Jesus was getting him some much-needed rest, I'm yeah, sure. Right. And the storm came. And they ran to Jesus and said, what's going on? Don't you care anything about us? You, you, know, you know, we're going to die. Their fear came up. And their belief. They didn't think about the fact that we were Jesus. And Jesus commands all these things. They didn't think about that. The first thing that came to them was the situation and the circumstances, what they could see. What they could feel, the wind was up, the, the seas were crashing. And, and so fear came in. And then Jesus gets up and he goes and he speaks to the wind. He simply says, peace, be still. And then he turns to them and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And what is faith? What they believe. Just that quick, after spending a whole, I mean, what would we pay to be in an all-day seminar with Jesus? Uh, yeah, yeah. And after being in an all-day workshop with Jesus, yeah, with yeah. him expounding on the word and telling them all about what they could do and about the power of faith, they get out and it gets, becomes a practicum and they lose it. Yeah. And, and Jesus questioned them, where is your faith? What do you believe? Well, it was also a lesson to them. And we've had to learn that lesson many times. And, but you have to be premeditated. You have to decide in advance. When something comes upon me that I don't understand, I'm going to remember to look to the hills to where my strength comes from. When something happens that devastates me and just wipes me out, I'm going to remember that God is still in control. That there's no time that he's off the throne, that he's taking a break, that he's still in control no matter what. And when you do that, you create an atmosphere for God to move on your behalf. You create an atmosphere to see the hand of God in your life and not only your life, but in the lives of others. Because, again, once you become established and rooted, your belief, some people don't even need to have any faith. Because you can have the faith and stand on the word of God on their behalf. Now, the reason that happens is so that they'll learn. 
not not as a shortcut, see, because some people, and, and I'm sure many of you have friends that will call you when they need to get a prayer through. They don't want to talk to them mother friends they club with last night. They want you because you went to church on Sunday and they know you can get a prayer through. And they want to, and, and, and again, I, I know people that will be very blatant. Other people can say, oh, I pray for this. No, you can't pray for nobody. <laughs> they don't want to talk to them. They want to talk to somebody they know that can get a prayer through. And they make no mistake about that. And that person can stand and intercede for them on their behalf, and God will show up. But again, the reason he does that is so that they'll learn that Jesus is the answer. And that you'll have the opportunity to say, because sometimes I, I have a, a dear friend who treated her mother like that. Every time she got in a tough spot, it was, Mama, pray. Mama, pray. Mama, pray. And she did it for years. She was off on her own, doing her own thing, living her life. But when it got rough, she'd holler, Mama, pray. And her mother loved the Lord and would just earnestly begin to pray and to fast on her behalf. Well, one day she called Mama. She was in a tough spot. She'd never been in a spot like that before. And mama said, just go to hell. That's what you're going. Don't call me to pray for you. Just go and go to hell. This is the life you're living. This is what you believe. And believe me, mama hung the phone up and left her hanging on her own. And what did she have to do? She had to cry out to God. And she cried out to God and God moved And she never turned away. She never turned away because she learned how to cry out to God for herself. Because the spirit of God moved in her mother and said, look, it's it's time. It's time for her to either do it or not. And those are the kinds of things that we have to learn. And again, one of the reasons that I'm sort of stuck on what we believe and what I believe is that I um, my son is traveling. He just graduated from college and he's traveling. And, and I had uh, always taught him how to believe and to trust God. And we've had lots of instances where God has really shown up in his life and, and, he, and he saw the power of having faith. Well, again, his beliefs have exceeded mine to some degree. Because when I was his age, I loved to travel too. And I used to travel a lot. Uh, but I would always save the money first. I'd find out where I want to go in the world, and I'd save the money up until I could buy the ticket. And then I'd prepare to go and see that part of the world. Well, my son, he just up and announced that he's going on this world trip. And uh, that's what he's going to be doing this summer, going to several different countries and this and that. And I said, okay, hey, man, wow, how much is that going to cost? He said, I don't know. But I'm going. And I'm like... Uh, well, how, how do you do this? I mean, how do you come up with this? You know, your mom and I, if I get that much money, I'm going. Yeah. So you, you don't have a chance. You go, you're looking this way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he says to me, he says, look, Dad, he was invited to a friend's wedding in India. He said, the commander in chief of the Indian Navy personally invited me to come to the wedding. He said, I got an invitation I can't turn down. I have to go. And I believe I'm going. And all I can say today is, he's there. That's where he is. He spent a week at the Olympics, enjoyed the Olympics. Again, 
and, and, and I, I don't like to down his feathers because a lot of times it's his faith that gets him through. He didn't even have tickets to some of the events at the Olympics. He just walked in. I'm like, huh? It's like, I'm like, how did you guys get tickets to that meet? I heard it was sold out and this and that. And he said, oh, I just went and said, hey, I have some friends in there. And they said, okay. And I'm like, you know, and, and I almost get jealous. But then I say, I thank God for the favor and the way that he's able to operate. Because he gives all the glory to God. When he walked into one boxing meet and the security escorted him to the area where his friends, their mouths all fell open. And they want to know, how do you do this? He said, God made a way. That's all he has to say. God made a way. I just asked and I go in. My friends are all in there. And they escorted him in. So those are the kinds of things that he's enjoying. And he's enjoying, you know, the, 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 the invitation that he received and all of what's going on. He's, you know, India, we know India as being a very, very poor place. But then they're, you know, the different ends of the spectrum. And he's getting to see the poverty, but he's living on the other end of the spectrum. He, he was telling me that on the Navy base, the, 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 the commander gave them a house of their own. And uh, the, uh, he spent a couple of days with one of his friend's aunt and uncle. And the guy, uh, the, the uncle has the largest, the second largest privately owned library in India. You know, so it was quite a mansion that he was staying in. And he says, the house is full of servants and they take care of everything. I can get used to this. You know, I said, well, all right, they'll put you out when it's time to go. But. What happens when you know what you believe, you start living that way. And when you believe God and the word of God, you have an expectancy. To know that God is going to show up in every instance of your life, you have an expectancy. You literally expect it. And and it's not arrogant to expect it. But people will wonder, how does this happen for you? And the only thing that you can do is to tell him that God made a way. I trust God in every situation I find myself in. And be willing to hold your lamp up and let it shine. Because not only does it give you light to see your way, but the others that are drawn close to it will get used to being in the light. They won't want to return to the darkness. They want to stay close. But after a while, when you tell them you're going this way, and they, well, I want to go this, they want a light of their own. And you can tell them how to get one and what it takes. And it's not um, a constriction. It's, it's, it's giving up. I was sharing with my daughter earlier this evening. Some relationships seem binding, but they're worth it. I mean, when I decided to get married, I decided that I was going to limit my dating. So <laughs> I was going to be bound from now on, when I have a Saturday night date, I, I already knew, know who to call. <laughs> the little black book has to go. Yeah. Now, that's not a, a bad kind of confinement. Yeah. That's a, a great kind of confinement. That's a great limit that you put on things. And a lot of people are afraid to come to Jesus because they think it's going to be too limiting. But it's actually freeing. Yeah. It's actually you take your hands 
away from the enemy who has nothing but destruction set up for you. And you move yourself into a place of peace and, and a position of joy and happiness and, a, and, and someone that will be there when you call. You exchange that for bondage. You exchange a, a different, it's a different kind of freedom. But you do it of your own free will. See, too often we get caught up with surrendering to God. It's very easy to do when Chen Wei is sitting there and the anointing is falling. I don't want to do anything except surrender to God. But the problem with that is I have the freedom to get back out to the car and pick up where I left off. And Jesus will never say, oh, no, you belong to me. You're mine. You can't do that. He's giving you free will. So you have to remind yourself, oh, no, I belong to God. And once you belong to God and you remind yourself that you belong to God, you will stand on things that the world doesn't understand. You will operate and move in a way that the world can't even conceive of. Literally, things will happen for you that, that only God can do. And, and, you have to, and you'll recognize it and see clearly that it's God. Other people won't understand it. Uh, in Luke 24 and 32, again, the story, the men are walking along the road and Jesus joins them. But they don't recognize him. But after he leaves, their comment was, didn't our hearts burn? Well, what was Jesus talking about in that conversation that made their hearts burn? He was opening up the scriptures to them. He was opening up the word of God to them. And their hearts began to burn. Not their minds. Too often we want to get it here first. If I could only get an understanding, God, about what you're doing, I could serve you. God, if you'd only tell me what the end results are going to be. Well, if you know the end results, you don't need faith. So one of the requirements for is, do you believe in the word? Because the word of God says that he'll be there for you when you call. He'll meet your every need. That he'll protect you, he'll guide you and direct you. But he's not going to tell you in advance so that you can get it here. But when you get it here, you throw your hands up. You say, God, I don't have a clue as to what's going on. But I know you know. And you keep going. When you, um, again, even when Jesus was talking and he talked with them and they had this great conversation, the scripture we love to read about didn't our heart burn when he he talked to us. Well, not long after that, when you keep reading, they, he appeared to, first they went and told some other folks that should have been excited to hear that Jesus was on the road. They said, we don't even believe you. He did. We know he did. We saw him die. You know, basically, that's in a nutshell. What they did. That's not in the scripture. But they didn't believe him. And then Jesus appears to them. And he asks them, the first thing he asks, he says, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? And what he meant was, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Because they weren't really using their heart. They were trying to use their heads. He couldn't be here because we saw him hanging on the cross. You know, we know his body is gone from the tomb. 
but we didn't see who came and got him out of the tomb. We're just hearing stuff. We don't know. And the same thing now, today. You've never touched him. But why do you know he's real? Because of the burning of your heart. Because somewhere along the line, and I don't care who preached it or, or where it came from, unless Jesus draws you. And how does he draw you? He doesn't appeal to your thinking. He appeals to your heart. And some kind of way beyond all question and all doubt, you get the, the feeling and the understanding that God is real and he's really there. And even though you can't see him, even though nobody else can tell you exactly, oh, show this is it and prove it to you, you believe. And he can begin to work with that. And those are the things that, that um, Pastor Sonny said in this morning's devotion. She quoted a scripture out of James 4 and 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. And then in 5 and 7, in James 5 and 7, it talks about being patient, brother, until the coming of the Lord. And the description that he uses is, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth. Well, I don't know if many of you plant things, but I like to plant things and I like to grow things. And I can tell you that I experienced that scripture in a different way when I planted a bunch of trees. And, and when those trees began to flourish and began to bloom, I got excited when the flowers came forth. Because when the flowers came, that meant that fruit was coming. And you get excited and you watch it develop. And, you, and, and, and those are the kinds of things. Well, when we are planting and growing, you get excited. Yeah. You know, some folks, all kinds of flowers. When you see that flower break the ground and come up, you just see the leaves. Yeah. No flower yet. But you know what you planted. Yeah. And so you have an expectation for it to deliver. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when the word of God. When you eat that word and you plant that word and those assurances and those promises in the scriptures, you expect those things to be fulfilled. And then how do we know that that's what you believe? One of the ways that we know that that's what you believe, and, and I have to work on this myself, is that your worship will become extravagant. You won't uh, do like... Um, I made a note here somewhere. The folks, when, when the word of God came and they were in the synagogue and they believed. But then they didn't act on it. Why didn't they act on it? Because they were afraid of getting kicked out of the synagogue. They were leaders in the synagogue. And so they were afraid of the judgment of other men. So they had to, they kept their mouth shut. They said, no. So... Again, what compromises your belief? You say you believe, but then you come to church and it, you might as well, I mean, it's less than if you were at an A's game because you have the freedom. And I never see any peop, anybody sit down and say, oh, I don't want anybody to see me scream when they hit that home run. You know, I've never seen that at an A's game. I go to the, to the Raiders games, and you see them hollering and screaming, and the Raiders ain't won a game in, in months. And they're still hollering and screaming. There's no proof. Now, what are you hollering for? Yeah. Yeah. 
Is this a championship team? People marvel at the, the Raiders' uh, uh, crews because they go holler and scream and cheer them on no matter what. But you come to church, and people, well, I, don't, I don't do that. Yeah, God saved me. I believe in him, and I, I, but I don't do that. Well, again, and I say it's okay because I have to be like Jesus. He'll take you any way he can get you. He says, come as you are. And if you are reserved and you, you know, and, and again, and I have to tell you, for me, that was the thing. I could never see doing that. And the only thing I, I can say is I, I went to a men's meeting once down in uh, Asilomar. And I was late getting to the conference. And I walked into the room, and there were 300 men in there with their hands raised doing praise. I had never raised my hands in worship. I had never, ever done it. But I walked into that room, and I'm talking about from front to back. It wasn't this thing where it got to cut off halfway, you know. From front to back, these men were worshiping God. And I had to raise my hands. I had to raise my hands and surrender to God. And it was the most exhilarating worship that I had ever experienced until that day. I didn't have to do it. I wanted to do it. Because they were showing me an example. And again, when you hear people's testimony, you know why they are praising and they're worshiping and they're crying out to God at the top of their lungs. Because if you see somebody doing that and and you think, well, no, I couldn't do that, I'd suggest you draw alongside them one day and ask them. Why do you praise like that? Why do you worship? And you'll find out some things that will make you start. When they throw up their hands and start worshiping, you'll start worshiping right along with them because you'll be so happy that God delivered them from the situation and the circumstances they were in. You always don't have to be doing it for you. You can be doing it because you know God is a deliverer. You can be doing it because you know he's the God who answers prayer and that people are sending up prayers. And they're crying out to God. And you can begin to worship and praise him because you know he can answer those prayers. You know he's the only one who has an answer for those prayers. These are the kinds of things that you can do when you decide what you believe and how you believe. And that's what God has us for today. He says, you know, that, um, oh, well, this was uh, reading in the... Uh, well, Pastor Sunday, you said that. And I, I'm trying to think. I'm going through all my notes and make sure I got everything. Uh, when Simon answered Jesus and told him, Master, we've toiled all night. Now, he's, he's, he's reasoning with Jesus. He's, telling, he's explaining to Jesus, I'm a professional fisherman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We toiled all night long. We went to where the fish was supposed to be. And we put our nets, and we didn't catch no fish. And now it's morning time, fishing time has passed. But he's talking to Jesus, and he says, We've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. Sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we have to look at the word of God and we can say, oh, I fasted and I have prayed and I've done this and I've done that. And you hear that still voice in you that just says, get on your knees or just says, lift your hands, just worship me or, or, or go and share with somebody else. When you take that on and say, despite 
your understanding that you'll dare to stand on the word of God and just go, not because you understand it, but just because the word of God says it. That you'll forgive, not because the person deserves forgiveness, but because the word of God says forgive. What you discover is that you will free yourself. Now, the, the lie is that you got to hold them with unforgiveness. But the lie of the enemy of your soul is that he knows as long as you hold them in unforgiveness, that when Jesus does come back, because of his word, he has to judge you with the same measure that you judged others. And because you can find somebody on this earth that deserves to be not forgiven. Because you decide that. And usually we decide that because of what they did to us. And they hurt me. And they did this to me. And they did that to me. And they deserve to go to hell. That's their just punishment. Well, when Jesus comes back, his hands are tied. Because he has to judge you with the same measure that you judged others. And if you could find somebody that deserved to go to hell, he has to say, well, then I guess you deserve it too. Not because of what his word says, because he said, if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. That's what the word of God says. But too many of us, because of what we believe or what we choose to believe or how we choose to to get into these gray areas, and these are gray areas that we create. Now, sometimes they're gray areas that other people create. Well, that's why getting in the word, and that's why the teachings that Pastor Benjamin is teaching us now will get us out of those things. And it's basically called the renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed, not necessarily to the word of God, but to the world. You need to be renewed to understand that God does it a different way. The world does it one way, but God does it a different way. God said, forgive. God said, bless them that curse you. God said, pray for them that despitefully use you. That's the way God does it. But the world does it another way. He said, curse them that curse you. You know, basically, and people get stuck there. And they think they're just because they got a reason. But they're not. And you are not. You are being held to what you believe. The whole world responds to you by what you believe. There are people in bondage and they're stuck in bondage because of what you believe. You don't believe that you could cry out and pray and intercede on their behalf and that God would send angels, a a host of angels, to deliver them. You don't believe it because you don't do it. So obviously you don't believe it. You don't believe that you'll have more power and more authority if you skip a couple of meals and pray and eat the word of God instead of eating, you know, oh, I'm hungry. (laughs) You know, again, I have a picture in my mind of a lady who had to fast one meal and she was about to faint. And she was one of them died in the wool, Holy Ghost filled believers. But they told her to skip breakfast, and she couldn't sit through the morning meeting because she was about to faint. She's about to fall out. And then, and then, you know, and again, we wonder why people got, I I wonder sometimes why people have all these diseases and they claim stuff. I I see folks that run to the front of the line after funerals because they're diabetic. 
and they got to eat now. They can't wait in the line. They, I, I have to eat right now because I'm diabetic. Yeah, I'm saying, well, why didn't you bring you some food so you can sit on the side till they serve the food? You know, if you, you know, but I, I don't, 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 I don't judge. I let them do. They do, they do their own thing. So, but we have all these things that we do of our own thinking, and it's not of the Word of God. So as you, but the only way you can find out is getting into the Word of God. Pastor Benjamin can teach and preach from now until. But what he does is encourage you to move forward. He's drawing you into the presence of God in a way that very often we've never even thought of before. And as that happens to us, then you'll discover it's not Pastor Ben. Well, and I, I accused him of trying to set me afire the last few Sundays. So, so I'm like, I, don't, I didn't want to sit next to him one day because I was like, you're trying to set me on fire. And I, I'm trying to avoid it. I felt like I needed a fire extinguisher in, in case I got caught up. But the, the thing is that as we begin to reflect on the word of God, as he expounds and as he teaches, as he shows us, the fire begins to kindle. And when the fire begins to kindle, it's not just for you. It's for the rest of the world. Hearts ablaze. Anything is possible. Any, there, what's too hard for God? You know? So what could, come, what could come up that God couldn't handle? But only when you believe. If you believe that if the person falls dead, they, oh, they fell dead. They did. They're gone. That's it. And you believe that. Well, but if your heart is not saying that, then you have to have the courage to go up and lay hands on them and call them back. Now, you don't do it in your own strength. You do it by the, the calling of God. You do it because God has placed something in you so that you know that. It's not you. We get caught up. I don't want to be me. I, and, and again, I'm guilty of it, but I'm working on it. And I'm working on it hard. Because I, I can't be, I, I don't say things to people sometimes because I don't want them to think, oh, I'm trying to be deep and spiritual. But too often God says things to me. And I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. That, that I, I mean, according to what I had learned coming up, I wasn't a prophet. But according to what I'm learning in this house, <laughs> I'm a prophet. And so those are the kinds of things. According to what I had learned before, you had to be called to the ministry. And somebody had to say, put a stamp on you, that you were a minister, that you were a preacher of the gospel. But what I learned in this house, that I sit in a room full of preachers. So if you're preachers, you ought to be operating like preachers. And again, wherever you are, not behind a pulpit, but wherever you are, what is your pulpit? And, and that blows me away because you begin to think of your situation and your circumstances different. And you don't have to be one of those, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But all you have to do is be a light. These lights that are shining here, they're not saying anything. They're just being lights. And you want to see some people jump around, let them go out. 
Let them go out, and you'll start looking for them. Who turned out the lights? Who, who, you want to find out where the light is. All you have to do is be a light. No other requirement. Just believe that you're a light. Start there. So I thank God for you this evening for letting me share with you. And I thank God for the work that he's doing in my life. I thank God for the work that he's doing in our lives. Because literally, we're doing life together. And again, there are some times when... There, there are times when we have to come alongside each other. And there are times when we have to know that people have the freedom to, to sit down. Because we'll stand with them. We'll pray with them. We'll hold them up. You know, we'll stand in the gap. Because they're not in shape to stand in the gap right now. Until they get ready to stand in the gap. That's how we make it. That's how we do life together. And those are the kinds of things that excite me about being and living hope. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you for your presence in this house tonight. Father, I pray that your word be found on the hearts and the minds of your children, of those that call you Lord and Master. Father, pour out your spirit upon us that we might move and operate in the way that you would have us to move and operate, that we would exercise our faith, Father, and stand mighty Um, In this world, Father, calling out the things that you have taught us to call out, speaking to the things that you've taught us to speak to. As you guide and direct us, Father, make us the men and women of God that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're dismissed.